right, welcome to episode three of Run Past the Brain Cell. Jake, we've made it through three episodes already. This is crazy and, to me. And your fucking brain hasn't decided to commit seppuku because of the amount of editing you've had to do. Oh, don't even get me started. This editing I thought would be a little bit easier, but hopefully we can fix our audio, or, well, my audio now, because I definitely have noticed I am quiet as hell in the first two episodes, so hopefully that should be fixed here shortly because I'm tired of having to amplify in audacity so much but let's just get started so week one recap we're gonna go through our eyes on five games that we had so starting off I had Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals and the Bengals just they laid an egg plain and simple I thought that the Browns offense was mediocre but they didn't need to be all that good because Miles Garrett was just absolutely swamping Burrow I did not understand what like what happened to this O-line we heard it was revamped Orlando Brown looked bad just that entire O-line was god-awful and that defense for Cleveland just absolutely feasted and Cleveland's offense did what it should have done feed Nick Chubb occasionally throw the ball with Deshaun Watson but also use his legs and that's what they did he ended up having a rushing touchdown and that after that it might as well been a game and believe me I had Evan McPherson in fantasy so getting three points and it was the only points they scored that irked me a little bit with that Browns Bengals game you just mentioned yeah, I don't know what happened to that Bengals offense. One of the most prolific wide receiver duos in NFL history. You can make an argument with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. They laid a goose egg. I think they rushed Burrow faster than what they should have with that ankle injury. It was a calf. And yeah. He... Calf, thank you. And well, it's week one. So obviously there's overreactions, but I'm not going to get too crazy. I think the Bengals are still going to win the division. But I will say this, what the only thing that I am worried about is they are playing the Ravens in week 2 and that does concern me because after what we saw against a team that Burrow has struggled against, he's now going to another team that I believe he's 1 in 5 against, which is just mind-boggling. I don't understand how Joe Burrow, I know they're divisional games, but even still, that's just crazy to me. But I think that they have to win that game because the last thing you want is to go down 0-2. I know you did last year, but I don't think that's something that I would make a habit of, especially since the AFC is now quite loaded. Oh, no kidding. The AFC is loaded. I think one thing I've noticed with Burrow the last couple of years, during week one, he is slow on the trigger. But once he kind of goes through like that first four weeks of the NFL season, he gets going and he shows why people say he's a top three quarterback. So on the other note, one of the games that I did for my eyes on five was the 49ers Steelers. That game made me look like an idiot for overhyping that Steelers offense. Nick Bosa said, fuck you, I'm Nick Bosa. Here's my contract, I'm gonna kick some ass. I really thought the Steelers would at least put up a fight, and hell, the only thing that looked even decent was their pass rush. So... I watched this game a good bit as well, and my notes were pretty simple. Brock Purdy's that dude. He he was efficient. He had no issues. He didn't look like he had any issues coming off that injury. He looked crisp. He looked decisive. And then Christian McCaffrey, he's just special. He just, he swamped that Pittsburgh defense. It just wasn't even fair. 22 carries, 152 yards, and a touchdown. And I think the other thing is, you look at Pittsburgh's running game, they had a total of 10 carries for 41 yards. Kenny Pickett threw the ball 46 times, and he got sacked five times and threw two picks. Najee Harris, you cannot have six carries for 31 yards. Now again, it's week one. Don't want to have too many outrageous, you know, overreactions, but you can't have... Kenny Pickett dropping back 46 times and have no run game like that. And you definitely can't have George Pickens only catching five for 36 when you target him nine 
or seven times and his longest catch was nine yards but tj watt at least showed why he won defensive player or why he was in contention for defensive player of the year with three sacks easy Watt looked like the old Watt that we knew and loved the really big thing that's gonna hurt them is i don't know if you've noticed this cam hayward is gonna be out for an extended period of time i am scared of what teams can do against their run defense with hat hayward out it's because so brutal without, without hayward you're down your best inside defender against the run and i like keanu benton i think he'll be a really good player for the steelers but he's no cam hayward right off the rip well i think i think the biggest loss honestly potentially well outside of one which we will get to i think the underrated loss is cam hayward because he is your best defender on this entire defense now you can make a case for minka fitzpatrick and tj watt and alex highsmith but i would argue cam hayward is because he is your heart and soul he is the leader of that defense i know tj watt is the best player but cam hayward is your veteran he is your locker room guy and losing him for i believe it was eight weeks that's just so brutal now hopefully he can recover or well he comes back like he was but that does concern me because you gave up a ton. You gave up 188 yards rushing. Without him, who is a disruptor in both the run and the pass game, I really don't like their odds. I really I'm, don't. I And that's why I had them finishing third in the division. But Another this, injury that we need to talk about that is not getting talked about that much is Deontay Johnson might be out for three to four weeks as well. Yeah, the and he was it seemed like he was in the doghouse though but hopefully he can come back because that passing game needs him but the Agreed. second game that i was watching was my seahawks against the rams and this game hurt me this game hurt me a lot i think in in our predictions i did have them winning the division but not only that i think i had said that i would have taken seattle minus five which now looks absolutely silly because early on in the game, I loved what Seattle was doing. The run game looked creative. I liked the passing game, how they were doing things. And DK Metcalf hit a move on that corner and basically made him look like he was on an island. But that second half, I just plain said, you guys look like you quit. You look like you quit. You looked demoralized because you were only up 13 to seven. You cannot give up 23 unanswered points to a Rams offense missing Cooper Cup. Puka Nakua became the number one fantasy target because he torched that defense with Tariq Woolen, who is a very nice corner. And even Michael Jackson, who also is a very solid corner. That defense got no rush. I mean, Stafford was sitting there. He could have made a cup of tea and he was free. And I don't know what happened with Gino. Now, again, it sounds like an overreaction, but I I still haven't winning the division, but they have to beat the Lions. They have there, to beat the Lions. There is one upside to your Seahawks getting literally the shit kicked out of them. And that I actually was impressed about that I don't think anybody is talking about. They rushed 40 times for a total of 92 yards. That is less than 2.5 a carry. Yes, they gave up three rushing touchdowns, but the fact that the Seattle Seahawks defense only gave up less than 2.5 yards a carry when their run defense has been the biggest suspect to their defense, I think is really underrated not being talked about enough. Okay, sure. You had a healthy Stafford and your pass rush couldn't do shit. But at least you're able to stop the run now. Better than I have seen in years as a former Washingtonian. Well, they were able to run the ball that many times because they once they got a lead, it basically became chew clock. And I said this to who I was watching the game with. I said to them, when after Seattle or after the Rams got the ball and Seattle was playing defense, I straight up looked at the person I was watching the game with and I said, oh, they quit. They're playing prevent. Pete's trying to win this game 13-7. Is he forgetting that Sean McVay has absolutely torched his defense multiple times? Because, yeah, they ran the ball 40 times. Cam Akers had 22 carries for 29 yards. 
but this kid Kyron Williams he looked like he looked electric he only had 15 carries for 52 yards and yet every rush looked spectacular even if it was for two yards it looked good and so that surprised me a lot because I thought this Rams team was going to be absolutely atrocious I'm not writing them off now I think that they finished third in the division but if this is what Seattle stays like I don't think they will but if this is a consistent thing with Seattle I think the Rams might sneak into the playoffs it's definitely a possibility with how they're playing they went from winning the Super Bowl last year to losing the most games ever from a Super Bowl winner the next season they're looking to be a very scrappy team in this year's league I think that people saying they're going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstake or the Drake May sweepstakes because they finally have a first round pick I'd never agreed with that because I think like it's a Sean McVay led team have we not seen what he can do his his coaching staff gets poached year after year because of how good of a job he does yeah that's true and the Rams guy on that offensive side for Seattle Shane Waldron I thought he looked very conservative in the second half. And I mean, they only gained 11 yards in the entire second half. That is mm -hmm. just total dominance and it's just flat. But let's go to your second game that you had your eyes on, which was oh. Bears Packers. Unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, unfortunately for you, my team won their game with their division rival and yeah, won yeah. it handily. <laughs> I think that Love showed a lot of promise. Sure, he was 15 for 27. Not as accurate as you want. But, hey, 245 yards, three touchdowns, and he avoided a good amount of pressure. I'll take it. Aaron Jones showed why he was Aaron Jones with 41 yards and a rushing touchdown and only two catches for 86 yards and a touchdown. He has shown that he is back, and Romeo Dobbs looks to be the fade king. That is my new nickname for him. I don't give a damn. Because in the red zone, if he runs a fade and Love sees that as his first read, probably going to take it as long as it's not like a top five corner on him. And the defense. I was very impressed. Deontay Wyatt from last year, I didn't like what he had shown as a rookie. He has shown pretty good promise. Lucas Van Ness even got a sack. Quay Walker with the pick six. That was not something I had on my bingo card for the entire year. I think that was just a really bad, blatant, trigger-happy throw from Fields. And it was um, really nice to see Rashawn Gary back. He only had 10 pass rushing snaps. He had five pressures on those 10 pass rushing snaps. So a 50% pressure rate on him. Yeah, when he gets paid next year at like 30 mil, it's going to be hurt the bank account. But... It'll be nice. And with the Bears, you know, the Bears are the Bears. I'm not going to overreact or underreact on them. I think Fields needs to progress more as a thrower. We all know he's dynamic as a runner, but ugh. throwing the ball, twenty about two-third ratio, 216 yards, touchdown and a pick. I didn't like it that much. Their defense really didn't do much their linebackers though i wasn't i was pretty impressed with that tremaine edmonds and tj edwards first game with them played really good and jaquan bisker their one of their early round picks from last year played really good yeah the bears the bears looked i'll be honest they looked okay i'm not gonna give them a ton of credit for losing by 18 especially when justin fields looked scared he plain looked scared to be in the pocket and while he only ran nine times for 59 yards he did get sacked four times and he got hit six times i mean you look at his stats 24 37 for 216 a touchdown and a pick six so he he gained six he gained seven and he also gave away seven so he basically had nothing and the run game was I mean, they had 29 rushes, 122 yards, which is not bad. But then when you think about Justin Fields was their leading rusher and he doubled up the next closest, that's pretty bad. I think that Justin Fields needs to take a massive step because we thought that DJ Moore was going to be a massive, a massive acquisition. That was the big acquisition 
for the offseason because they traded the number one overall pick to the Panther. He had two catches for 25 yards. Why'd you bring him over if you're only going to target him two times? He caught both targets, but even still. And then on the Packers side, Jordan Love was, he played well. I definitely thought that they coddled him a little bit. He was only sacked once though. He didn't really get pressured all that much. And 15 to 27 isn't bad. Obviously that needs to improve if you're going to be the starter. But I look at this team and... I'm still a little weary because they have a lot of young talent and they won a game 38 point with 38 points and their number one receiver, Christian Watson, was out. But even still, mm. I look at their running game. A.J. Dillon had the most carries, but he only had 19 yards on 13 of them. Now, Aaron Jones was dynamic, but how often can we count on Aaron Jones going 51 yards on one of his catches? I just am weary to be rooting for this Green Bay team because I, the Bears are, like you said, the Bears. And while you would think their defense is good, they only hit Love three times and they only sacked him once. He was not under a ton of pressure. And I think Green Bay defensively, that definitely is something to keep an eye on because they are going to have to step up because Jordan Love, yeah, he's been in the league. This is his fourth year. He might as well be a rookie because this is only his, what, third game, I think, as a starter, maybe. So I think this defense is going to have to step up. I mean, DeAndre Campbell or Devondre Campbell, he's going to be the quarterback of that defense. And you're going to need those corners. You're going to need that pass rush. Lucas Van Ness, like you said, with the sack, that's big. And hopefully he can build on that. But I'm not going to be overly impressed by the Packers because they've historically owned the Bears, even with Rodgers. And I think they've won like 11 straight now against the Bears. The Bears can't beat Somewhere right around that. And on to the next and final game that we both picked as our big game of the week to watch with an asterisk because of what happened in the game the bills and jets the first thing we need to talk about is the rogers injury he only was in there for 45 seconds four plays and he four plays and it was the first time he threw the ball he was going to throw the ball and unfortunately he got sacked and he got taken down by the ankles and ruptured his achilles He's out for the year. It really sucks. And I really think whatever deity you believe in, they have it out for Jets fans. I'm not a Jets fan. Never have been. But they are facing some serious Ackman's Razor bullshit right now. They cannot be allowed to be happy. No, they can't. And it was what? It was, I can't remember how many years, but it was almost to the day, however many years, that Vinny Testaverde... I believe it was his first game for the Jets coming off of a AFC championship game and he popped his Achilles. And I'm going to just say this right now. I stumbled upon the video like behind Rogers. I've never th almost thrown up watching football. It was grotesque seeing that to the point that after I saw it that day, I I was overly aware of my calf and it was tightening and freaking me out. But Zach Wilson, yeah, Rodgers is out though. And it's it just sucks because I'm not necessarily a Rodgers fan, but I was excited for Jets fans. This was your, fi you finally had a franchise quarterback. You finally had a guy for at least two years that you could put your arms around and you were thinking he could carry you to the promised land. And of course, the football gods said they forsake you. Now, Zach Wilson is the starter, according to Robert Sala. It's Zach's team. I watched that game and Zach, Zach played okay. I'm not going to say he played well. I'm not going to say he played well. He played okay, considering the circumstances, because I thought he, he made some good throws, but Brees Hall, just wow. That 83-yard run that he had, he was smoking. And the only reason I think he didn't score is because he's not he's still not very far removed from that ACL. So I don't think he has that burst that he usually has. I think after a little bit of time, it will come back, and that would have been a touchdown. But let's not get overly hyped 
if you're a Jets fan. The best player for the Jets the entire game was the opposing quarterback. Josh Allen had three picks and a fumble. And I'm going to say this right now. First off, Josh Allen, I'll get to him in a second. When is Buffalo going to have a running game? Genuinely, when are they going to have a consistent running game? You had 22 carries for 97 yards. If you're going to have Josh Allen throw the ball 41 times and you know you've seen in the game he's thrown it to Jordan Whitehead twice probably around that time Stefan Diggs he had a nice game but on that last field goal drive how telling was it that every single pass that Josh Allen threw he threw to Stefan Diggs Stefan Diggs had 13 targets the next closest was James Cook at six it shows me that Josh Allen, that Stefan Diggs drama in the offseason, there was something there. I know that the Bills are playing it off. It's nothing. It's nothing. If you're going to target a guy 13 times and then the next closest is your running back and it's less than half, you cannot tell me that you're not hyper fixating. And that Bills O-line was just swamped. I'm going to say this right now. Jets might have the best defense in football. Now, I know that the Cowboys dropped a 40 to nothing burger on the Giants, but the Giants are inept. The Bills are have a very quality quarterback. They don't have Danny Pennies. They have Josh Allen, who at one point finished second in MVP voting. And that, that D-line was just flying through. No one was getting blocked. And so now the Bills defense also played well. Matt Milano picked off a gimme pass from Zach Wilson. But overall, I think that the Jets, I still have them finishing third because I think the Pats will fall off. But I'm concerned about the Bills. Oh, easy. With with Josh Allen, first of all, throwing three picks to the same guy. And Jordan Whitehead is a quality safety. But I wouldn't put him in the top 10 safeties in the league. Maybe 15 to 20 range. I mean, he got his contract bonus in one game of like 500k from Josh Allen being his best friend. I think that you are right. They really need to start running the ball more because... We can't have it be the Josh Allen show. We learned last year when it was the Josh Allen show, he got injured. We don't need to see him end up like Cam Newton. Yes, he is athletic. He is big. He can run. But we need to learn from previous offenses, offenses' mistakes, and say, hey, let's not run our top three quarterback into the fucking ground. You have James Cook. He looks pretty good. Latavius Murray... I've always liked him. And Damian Harris. You brought him in. He only had one carry. He is your pound the rock kind of guy. And you need that kind of guy against a top three defense and a deep D-line like how the Jets have. And at the end of the day, I think we need to see Osiris, Osiris Torrance, their second round pick. We need to see him play more because he is a mauler in the run game. Without him... I don't like their chances to run the ball, especially up the middle. No, and my last thing with this game is, Jake, they can't run the ball. It's been how many years now with Sean McDermott? They can't run the ball, and they haven't gotten the O-line fixed. This is on the coach. This isn't just on Josh Allen. I'm not saying that Sean McDermott needs to be fired, but when Brian Dayball left, Josh Allen has regressed, and I couldn't agree more. It's he, he's clearly regressed. He looked watching that game. He looked he looked mechanically screwed. And so my my last thing on this, though, is I think that Sean McDermott's seat. I don't think it's hot, but I think it's going to start to warm if he can't figure out how to keep Josh Allen from eating how many hits he got because mm -hmm. he got sacked five times and hit nine. You cannot have that happen, especially when he also ran the ball six times and he doesn't slot. He just gets popped. But on that note, now that we're done with the five games that we reviewed from last week, I think that it's best to go on to our Thursday night football game from yesterday. The Eagles and Vikings. I had the Eagles winning this and first three quarters... Two and a half quarters. Yeah, Eagles are soundly beating the shit out of the Vikings. Then the Vikings said, you know what? Fuck this. We got a top five offense. We got the best receiver in the league, arguably. We got 
I'd say a pretty good quarterback, and we're going to show you what we can do. And the ultimate thing that I'm worried about is the Eagles' defense. They are starting to show age a little bit in their defensive backs, and I think they're missing Gardner Johnson more than they realize because the last two games, they've given up 48 points when if you look at last year's team, they probably would have only given up 32 to 36. So that defense needs to get figured out. I can't believe I'm actually saying this. I think they miss Gannon. I do think they miss Gannon too. And when I look at this though, now here's my thing with this game, Jake. So when I was watching this game, I watched the all of the first half and I thought that it was really telling early on how well Philly was able to run the ball. Kirk Cousins was a spectator. They had a 16 play drive. They ran it, I believe 13 times. And it was the way they were running it. It was mainly up the middle and that defense couldn't do a damn thing. I thought, I basically thought they were playing a college team. DeAndre Swift, 28 carries, 175 yards and a touchdown. Right. You cannot have that. You cannot have that after he only had, I believe two touches last week. And on defense, Philly, yes, they are showing their age a little bit. And I do think that some of their losses, they do miss. But you have to remember, they were also injured. Credit to Terrell Edmonds because he basically made a game-saving play when Justin Jefferson fumbled the ball. He knocked that ball out of Justin Jefferson's hands and into the end zone for a touchback. That is a deciding factor. But you look at the defense, they had two sacks and they hit Kirk Cousins 10 times. That O-line for Minnesota is a yikes. And you're telling me that Minnesota, like we want Kirk Cousins to throw the ball 44 times and we're going to run it only nine. I understand if you get down at one point, you were down 27 to seven, but you need to be balanced in this game. And once again, primetime Kirk showed up and he was primetime awful. He cannot play in this. He can't play well in primetime games, in isolated games. And you cannot have four fumbles. You can't fumble the ball four times. That's just, you can't. Now their defense was okay, but I'm concerned about the Vikings. And Jake, I don't know where you had them finishing. I think I had them finishing third. I'm not I had ruling them finishing out the second in the division. I'm not ruling out they could finish behind the Bears. Now, the reason why is because I think the Bears can steal a game or two here and there. Minnesota may be scoring points, but... They ain't winning. Yeah, if, it doesn't matter. You can score 28 points. doesn't matter if someone else scores 34. And this Eagles team, they are definitely taking a step back from last year, but I'm not as concerned about them because... I think that they're still working out the kinks of this offense because you lose both coordinators, you have a lot to work out. But I'm not I'm, worried about them. What about you? The Eagles, the only thing I'm worried about is how they're going to handle injuries and more potential injuries and the age of, of some of their marquee players, how it's going to affect them and if there's any regression. But they have a lot of young talent on the team, pretty much Georgia Bulldogs. But... I think they're going to be fine. I think Hertz needs to kind of fix up his turnover issue. It's not being talked a lot about, but I saw a little bit of a uh, graphic today that in seven games, he had the same, from last year, he had the same amount of turnovers as he had this year in only two games. Now, that pick was bad. Yes, it was. It's the beginning of the season. Everybody's going to be a little shaky. I'm not too worried about it, but... It could be a theme we see, but I love that Daniil Hunter is back. Three sacks for my boy. I am so glad to see him with the new with an extension. He is back in healthy, and he's going to show people that he's a top 10 pass rush. He was a monster. He was an absolute monster. I mean, three sacks. Apparently, top pass rushers just get sacks and threes. I think Mike, the only reason Micah didn't is because of the fact that they decided they probably put three guys on him. He was doubled for half the snaps. So that's probably the only reason why he didn't pop off. But and probably because they didn't want him to get injured since they were probably up 30 points when I think they pulled him. One, one other note I want to add, Jake, is they got to take that quarterback sneak rugby scrum out of the game. 
I know they talked about taking it out last this past off season. They decided to keep it in. It's gone after the end of this year because it's it's an ugly play. It's it, it's just gross because you see it and you just roll your eyes. And I think a lot of owners and I think the competition committee looks at that play. And if Hertz has, I don't know, 10 touchdowns, rushing touchdowns off of it this year, or you see it more widely used, it's it has to get banned because it's just aesthetically it's god awful. I agree with you that it is god-awful to, to some extent. I'm lesser on it. I think that it's kind of like, hey, we got a top three interior O-line. Stop us, bitch. And we got a quarterback that benches leg presses just as much as our freaking O-linemen do. Come on, guys. We're not cheating. We're just using what we got. I think you're going to start seeing defenses, at least with the Eagles, come with more sub packages with heavier linebackers because of it. I think we can both agree linebackers have gotten lighter and faster because the game is getting faster. I think we're going to start seeing a bit of a renaissance to like the Coke machine linebackers. Those big thumping motherfuckers like Donta Hightower. I think we could potentially see that coming back and Eagles would probably be the fourth runner for why it's coming back. Potentially, but I think it's time we get into our eyes on five and I'll start. I'm my first game that I'm going to be keeping my eye on is Raiders Bills because the Raiders, I think they escaped with one last week against the Broncos because you look at how the Raiders played. They played okay, but at one point they were trying to give that game. They really were. And the Broncos just could not take advantage of it. Now, I think that the Bills have to win this game. They they have to win this game because if you start having momentum go down even more, because after that game, you the game was on a silver platter for you on Monday Night Football, and you choked it away. Now, you can argue it took four turnovers and a punt return to lose to the Jets, minus Aaron Rodgers. But with how Josh Allen looked, this Raiders team somehow is first in the AFC West. They're not that good. This is a team that you absolutely take advantage of and i can't i i'm gonna be focused i'm gonna be laser focused on how josh allen plays and if they can get a running game because without it this raiders team they're gonna commit to the run a little bit more with josh jacobs i think because they don't want jimmy garoppolo to get too throw happy they were pretty balanced last week with 26 passes to 29 runs i would keep my eyes on Josh Jacobs in fantasy. And if I look at the line here, I believe that the line is actually pretty. Yeah, Buffalo is favored by eight. I would hammer the Raiders and the points. That is a ton of points. And I think it's an overreaction. What do you think? I think it's an overreaction as well. I could see this being a slaughter if we see the Bills fix their mistake. The things that I am worried about is, and I think we can both agree with this, that Raiders defense up the middle with their defensive tackles, not good. So I think you are right. We need to see them bring the run game into this and stuff it down their throats. The thing that has me worried is the pass rush from the Raiders. That is about the only good thing about this Raiders defense. Tari Wilson might have a game here. I think Crosby is going to have a really good game. And hell, Chandler Jones might even show why he got his payday in last year's offseason. That is the only facet that has me worried because Crosby and Tyree are athletic enough to take on Allen outside of the pocket. And we all know how much Allen loves to get out of the pocket and scramble and make big plays. He loves being, he loves doing hero ball. Sometimes it backfires, kind of like from last week's game. I think at the end of the day, I like that that's one of the games you're watching because you are right. Bills need this win, and if they don't win this, how the hell are the Raiders 2-0? I would be like, who summoned the demon, and what'd you have to pay? I think the world would honestly just burn up in flames if the Raiders were somehow mm-hmm. 2-0. And the reason why I say this line is an overreaction is because historically, 
teams with a good quarterback and a solid coach that get embarrassed play out of their mind the following week. The problem is, is I think that the Raiders giving them over a touchdown is outrageous because if Josh Allen, say he has two picks, they can at least cover. I don't think they'll win outright. I do think that the Bills will win the game, but I would absolutely take the Raiders and the points because anything over a touchdown is just easy. But Jake, let's go to your first game. What you watching? My first game has to be the Ravens and the Bengals. I need to see if the Bengals have it or they lost their mojo because they're facing another really good division rival in the Ravens. And I need to see Lamar Jackson. Both these teams' quarterbacks have a lot to prove. And I think the Bengals need to run the ball a little more or just, hey, they need to show that they can actually pass the damn ball or at least pass protect enough to give Burrow more than two and a half seconds to not get killed. Lamar needs to throw the ball a bit better as well. He needs to show like, hey, I just got a massive payday, just like my opponent across the aisle. We need to both show that we can actually deserve these paydays and not show like, oh, fuck, we shouldn't have got paid. Yeah, and that makes sense because Lamar, he, he was bad. I mean, you look at the score and you think they won 25 to 9. How could they be? How could we be worried about? And that's plain and simple. You, you won 25 to 9, but you played a rookie quarterback in CJ Stroud who got sacked five times. Your defense played very well. But guess what? Lamar also got sacked four times. So Zay Flowers, he, I look at him to be a massive focal point of this game because you're going to need to be able to throw this ball because I think you can take advantage of this Bengals secondary now that Jesse Bates and Von Bell are gone. And Lamar needs to, he was, he was efficient throwing the ball because he was 17 to 22, but only 169 yards and he threw a pick. Now, if he can get Mark Andrews back, that would definitely help. But on the Bengals side, you're going to need Joe Burrow to play way better. You, I don't think you can go down 0-2. I think it's a must win for the Bengals, especially since it's a divisional game. This will matter in playoffs. If you lose two straight divisional games and go 0-2 to start off, that that's hard to come back from, especially since if people are right about Cleveland, they're going to be a playoff team and the Ravens are going to be right there. I think Burrow will play better, especially because he's, well, he's going to have to. You can't, you can't throw for 82 yards and win, especially not against this Ravens defense, which I very much like. Now, the line is Cincinnati favored by three. This is a stay away game for me because it can go either way. And I think that's about the number, but I would not be surprised if one of these teams happens to blow out the other. Oh, easy. This has all the types of makings that either the Bengals could come back and say, fuck you, we're the Bengals, and we got Joey B, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins, or the Ravens could come back and just say, hey, we have Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, and we have probably one of the eh, best O-lines in the league when healthy. The thing I am worried about is the Ravens are injured as hell, and it's only week two. I said it in the reek in the our predictions. I wanted to put them one. The reason why I put them two is because all of their star players have an injury history, and we're seeing that right now. And I would keep an eye on this though. Burrow, like I said earlier, is one in five against the Ravens. These this division divisional games, he tends to struggle. I think this Ravens secondary can take advantage if Burrow is feeling some pressure he usually is calm and cool but lamar if he's able to put get a lead and that defense can go quarterback hunting i wouldn't be surprised if joe burrow is forced into a desperate decision that could end up getting picked and increase the lead for rave for the ravens to put it away now the second game that i have my eyes on is jets cowboys and it's gonna be the zach wilson era part two 
I, this one concerns me because I think it's going to be a very low scoring game. You have Dak Prescott who had to do absolutely nothing in that game. He didn't do a single thing. He, he played okay, he, but he didn't have a touchdown or pick. He just kind of was there. And I think that if the defense is able to play like that, Dallas should be able to stuff Zach Wilson. Now, if it was Aaron Rodgers, different story. Then it would be a little bit harder, but I think the Jets defense can also stifle this Cowboys offense. We heard all we heard all about Tony Pollard, about how good he's going to be. Now, granted, don't really have any knowledge of how good he's going to be because, again, he didn't really play all that much <laughs> because... Mm -hmm. They blew out the Giants. But I think that Zach Wilson has the potential to play better because he has had Aaron Rodgers in his ear all off season. And if he was able to bestow any wisdom on Zach Wilson, that's going to give the kid confidence, which is something he desperately needs. That's why he's getting this endorsement and they're not bringing in a guy like a Carson Wentz or a Colt McCoy. Go. I think this is going to be right. a very low scoring game. I could see this in the realm of, I don't know, 17, 13 or 20 to 10. I think it's going to be a low scoring game. Now, Dallas is favored by eight and a half. It's probably a stay away game for me. But if you forced me to pick a side, I would take the Jets and the points because it all comes down to how good is Dallas on offense? Because we don't know, but we're going to have to find out and see if Dak resorts back to last year which definitely is a very marquee point that we need to watch out for especially with this Jets defense I think that Wilson if he is confident he'll play like a mid-level quarterback and he is more athletic than people give him credit for I think that as long as the O-line doesn't get him killed but with the type of pass rush that Micah Parsons and the rest of that Cowboys D-line has it wouldn't shock me if this kid gets sacked seven, eight times. It's going to be the run game for the Jets all day long with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. I think that we're going to see a lot of play action if they are going to throw the ball because they're probably going to commit to the run because they got to slow down Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence somehow because they don't have the healthy O-line and they don't have the O-line to deal with this type of pass rush. I think that Pollard, I think we're going to see more of a 50-50 split because the Jets do have such a good pass rush as well. Not as good as the Cowboys in my opinion, but pretty high up there. But I think that with how McCarthy wants to run the ball more, we're going to see a lot of Pollard working out because Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. For sure, but I think what I'm going to be keeping an eye on, Jake, is what Dak, like I said, what main focus is going to be what Dak Prescott do we see? Are we going to see the Dak that, are we going to see the Dak from last week who just was throwing the ball into defenders' hands nonstop and was throwing pick sixes? Or are we going to see more of a younger Dak who was able to distribute the ball, basically play point guard, but maybe with a bit more pocket presence because those injuries have robbed him and he is now basically exclusively a pocket passer. I'm very curious to see if he can get it done. And Zach Wilson, let's hope they can run the ball because I still am not over how Zach Wilson looked last year because it was bad. But Jake, let's go to your second game. What do you have your eyes on? My second game is going to be the Dolphins and Patriots. I want to see how this Dolphins offense with Mike McDaniels goes against the Patriots defense and Bill Belichick. In my opinion, this could be just the game of the week, just in general, because Tua played like how I think he can play when healthy. Kai threw for almost 500 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick. It wasn't even that bad of a pick. It was just a defensive back making a damn good move. I think that we're going to see a lot of running instead of passing this game because I don't know how to feel about Tua against that secondary because... I would say in any regard, 
The Patriots cornerbacks or defensive backs are way fucking better than the Chargers. They they are. But I think that this Dolphins game, this Dolphins team, if they win this game, they're going to have so much confidence heading into week three because the Patriots lost a close game against the Eagles in the second half. They outscored them 20 to nine. They mm. looked a lot better in the second half. And Belichick teams are known to start slow in September. Now, like you said, because that secondary of the Patriots is better than the Dolphins, I think we're going to see probably, we're probably not going to see 215 yards from Tyree Kill. But what we're also not going to see is man coverage because that's all the Chargers were playing. Brandon Staley was way too stubborn and wanted to put his guys on islands and Tyree Kill... He's going to burn man coverage up. It's going to be barbecue chicken. I think we're going to see a lot more zone, a lot more zone. And you're right. I think that Mostert is going to get a good, healthy dose. I wouldn't be surprised if fantasy owners play him. Uh, the line is Miami favored by two and a half. I would actually take Miami in this because you can still win by three and yeah. cover. So I think that is massive. I like that. I like that bet personally. I look at the Dolphins, though, more in this game rather than the Patriots, because I think that Mac Jones, he's going to be very solid. But I'm worried about his weapons because his weapons are mid, just plain and simple. They're mid. Can this Patriots defense stop this speed? Because Tua is accurate. Can Bill take away the middle of the field, which is where Tua likes to operate? and force him outside, I think if he can do that, the Patriots have a chance of winning this game. I'd still take the Dolphins personally, but you're right. This is probably going to be the game of the week outside of probably Jets-Cowboys, but this one will probably be more fireworks, whereas Jets-Cowboys, it's basically going to be like watching paint dry. But now... Exactly. We, <laughs> yeah, but if we can get into our fifth and final game, I think it's the Browns-Steelers because... Is you have a divisional game. Now, it is a Monday night doubleheader. You have Saints-Panthers as well, another divisional game. But I'm looking more at the Browns-Steelers. It's a more pertinent division, for one. And the Browns are 1-0, and and the Steelers look bad. Kenny Pickett looked atrocious. He looked like he regressed. He looked, honestly, he looked indecisive, and he looked plain lost. I think that this Browns pass rush can potentially do the same thing that the Niners did, but can the Browns put up points and can they stop this Steelers offense like they stopped Burrow and the Bengals? Kenny Pickett's healthy. Joe Burrow, I would argue, might not have been. I think Kenny Pickett, being a bit more mobile than Joe Burrow, he can get around a little bit better, whereas Burrow, he's probably still got the injury maybe in his head a little bit. I personally like the Steelers in this. Cleveland's favored by two and a half. I'd take the Steelers and the points, but that's just me. What do you think, Jake? The Browns have the one of the most dynamic running games and one of the best depths in their running back chart. I think if the Browns are going to win this game, and I think they have a good shot, it's going to be because Nick Chubb's going to have a monster of a game. Deshaun Watson's going to get rid of it quick, and you're going to see a lot of max protect if they do throw the ball and it's not play action. And you're going to probably see a lot of play action as well because that is one of the easiest ways to stop this dynamic pass rush that the Steelers have. I, at the end of the day, I'm expecting Chubb to have a lot of yards. I'm going to say probably 100 to 150. If he breaks 200 with Cam Hayward being out, it's not a throw of possibility. Oh, if and he breaks 200, they're going to win. Easy. And I think another thing you have to look at is you are right. I think Pickett needs to show like, hey, all this talk that we've heard throughout the offseason that I've gotten a lot better. I've my arms stronger. I'm just as mobile as I've ever been. I'm more accurate. I think we need to see that Pickett come out. We also need to see the Pickett to Pickens connection a lot. Now, I actually have an interesting over under stat for you. Okay. Over under Darnell well, Washington puts Miles Garrett on his ass with a pancake. I'm going to put it at zero because I look at Miles Garrett as arguably a top two pass rusher. And while Darnell Washington 
was mainly selected for his blocking, I wouldn't be surprised, though he does have good receiving ability. I think that he's going to be used as chipping because rather than full on pass pro, because if he's full on pass pro, Miles Garrett's going to throw him into Kenny Pickett. There's a reason I bring that up. They left Darnell Washington one-on-one -on, -one on couple of reps with Nick Bosa. And Washington laid Bosa out. One of the most beautiful tight end pancakes I've ever seen from the Rook. And being like, damn. Yeah, okay, your team's getting their ass kicked, Rook, but... He has some fight. If he can pan, if he can flat out pancake and knock Nick Bosa on his ass, I think there's a chance he could do it to Garrett. Garrett's a little bit more of a power rusher than Bosa, but oh, it's gonna be interesting if they line those two up on each other. I think you're right. They're probably gonna get more as a chip blocker, but damn, if he doesn't look like an old lineman out there when he's blocking. Well, I think the other thing you're gonna have to look at is. Miles Garrett, you're one, yes, he's more of a power pass rusher. But the other thing you have to think about, Jake, is Nick Bosa was holding out. And so he might not have had his legs under him. Miles Garrett's been at training camp and he's been practicing. And I think, if I remember right, Darnell Washington's pretty big. So is Miles Garrett. I think that Miles Garrett, if they, like I said, if they put him one on one, Miles Garrett's going to throw him into Kenny Pickett. And that's going to be a sack. Just plain and simple. There is a chance. Uh, I will I will definitely see where you're coming from, but just something to watch out. Yeah, I looked it up. Washington is 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and he's 265. So massive for a modern-day tight end. But moving on, I think that I have the Steelers winning this. I think it's going to be a close game. If the Browns end up winning it, though, uh, I could see it just because of Cam Hayward being out and they have Nick Chubb. Yeah, I mean, I understand it. I think that, like I said, I would personally take Steelers in the points if you forced me, but if it's, I think it'll probably come down to the running game because Nick Chubb is able to run the ball and that Cleveland O-line is very, very good. And without Cam Hayward, you can't get that, you know, penetration. And not only that, you can't run the ball. I'm afraid that this is going to be another game where Kenny Pickett has to try to throw the ball 40 times and... Miles Garrett might have two sacks, but I even with all you. that, even with all that, I do think it might end up being a low scoring game. And so that's why I'm leaning Steelers plus two and a half. But moving on to our final segment, and it's a new one and we're calling it Hive Mind. And it's something that a lot of it's basically going to be a segment where people are going nuts about one thing. And we're going to tell you why they're actually right and not why they're wrong. And Jake, I think it's pretty easy after week one for this one. The Dolphins are a Super Bowl team, plain easy. and simple. I think that Tua Tagovailoa injuries is my only concern with him because he can flat out distribute the ball. He's very accurate. His arm is okay. I understand why people don't love his arm. And granted, they do need to get the run game sorted out with Raheem Mostert. But you look at this offensive weapon Mostert can run fast Tyree kills the fastest man on the field second or third fastest on the field is probably Jalen Waddle and I think tight end while you don't really know what you have you can make do and then you even have the rookie Devon A chain and he can absolutely flat fly and then on defense you are going to get Jalen Ramsey back this defense isn't bad. Xavier Howard is still a very solid corner. I see this team as a potential Super Bowl candidate. There's a reason why I actually had them winning the division in our predictions, because I looked at this team and I picked them over Buffalo because they have multiple weapons. Whereas with Josh Allen, you have Stefan Diggs and then a lot of plumbers and janitors in comparison yeah. to this offensive weaponry you're totally right on that the dolphins definitely have probably the most dangerous one and two punch in the league the only team you could really make an argument to really back that up would be the Bengals. i think that yeah as long as 
Tua can stay healthy and his O-line doesn't get him killed, I think we're going to see him have an MVP type of year. And you are totally right. I had him as a really good Super Bowl caliber team at the beginning of the year. And they showed out why against one of the best teams in the league in the Chargers. That defense, yeah, okay, you gave up 34 points, but it's the fucking Chargers. They have one of the most explosive offenses in the league and a top five, top six quarterback in Justin Herbert. I think at the end of the year, Tua's going to ignite himself into being a consistent, being in the talks of being a top five quarterback. Absolutely. And while you, I'm looking at their schedule right now, Jake, and while it's not an easy schedule, but after the Patriots, you have the Broncos and we still don't know what Russ and Sean Payton are. Then you have, then you're going to the Bills and you're getting them October 1st. You're not having that game in December where it's frigid and where it could hamper Tua. And then you play the Giants and the Panthers. Jake, I'm not ruling this out. This team, provided everyone stays healthy, they could be 6-0. and Because you look at the defenses that they're facing, outside of the Broncos, who's going to stop the, both those weapons? Because you can at least, and even with the Broncos, yeah, you put Sertan on Hill, but Waddle's no slouch. He can flat burn you, and he can also playing run routes and you are totally right on that i think that the dolphins could start at six and oh the thing that i need to watch out for is toronto armstead and his injury i think with that connection that he has with tua and how good of a left tackle toronto armstead is you're gonna see the running game get a lot better and the pass game get more consistent because he's gonna keep his tua's left side clear and kind of a funny thing with you being left-handed, Teron Armstead's not protecting his blind side. The one protecting his blind side is either Robert, either Robert Hunt or Liam Eichenberg. I don't remember how they did their right tackle, right guard configuration. I think it's Eichenberg is the right tackle. As long as people stay healthy, yeah, I think it's going to be a very tough to beat team. 6-0 is definitely out of the question. Yeah, and you're right. Because he's left-handed, and yeah, I'm also left-handed, but that is also a massive thing to think about because if he gets pressure on the left side, he's going to be able to see that. While he's, like I said, he's not crazy athletic. He, he is more athletic than I thought because now he's healthy. Remember when he came out, he did have a hip injury. He was coming off of hip surgery as a rookie and then he had the concussion issues. So this is probably the first time we've seen Tua probably fully healthy. And so what we're seeing now is why Miami drafted him so high. And like I said, yeah, six and oh, I don't think it's out of the question because plain and simple, this offense is going to get leads. And I think because of that, you're going to force other offense, the opposing offense to pass more. And you have quality rushers in Wilkins, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb who is now fully invested in this team after coming over in a trade in the middle of the year last year. So I absolutely think this could be a Super Bowl caliber team. I think that this is one of the few things that I've heard from the uh, from the media that I actually agree with, which is saying a lot because I usually don't agree with a whole lot that they say. But Jake, coming to the end of the podcast, what is your final closing thought, whether it's a game a player to watch fantasy what are you what are you looking for i'm gonna be looking for the chargers and their run defense stopping king henry that is going to be one of my marquee matchups between offense and defense because we can both agree that the chargers run game has been crap the last few years king henry if he can get going i don't know who on that defense can stop him yeah the run the running defense looked okay but that's because Raheem Mostert only ran the ball 10 times for 37 yards. So, and Tua was torching him for 466. So I wouldn't be too excited if I'm a Chargers fan about, oh, we only gave up this many rushing yards. No, you gave up more passing yards because it looked like Tyreek Hill was basically playing against air. But my thing to keep an eye on in week two is how Seattle bounces back, especially because they got embarrassed by the Rams. Plain and simple. They got embarrassed. They got punked. They got absolutely annihilated. And so what I'm looking at is, can they bounce back? Because they did lose Abraham Lucas. He's on IR. And Charles Cross 
He was hurt. I think he might try to go, but I'm not 100% sure on that. That is something that I'm going to have to keep an eye on because, Jake, we watched the opening week, the opening game. Aiden Hutchinson was flying after Mahomes. And if not for Jawan Taylor being a cheater, he probably could have gotten Mahomes two or three times. And that mm -hmm. scares me with Geno not being the most mobile of quarterbacks. And this O-line, which looked very solid and very promising, now in a bit of disarray, I think they'll move Hutchinson around. I'm a Seahawks fan. I'll admit, I'm a little worried, especially because you're staring down the barrel of 0-2. The Lions have confidence now. So that's probably what I'm going to be keeping my eye on most. It, maybe not most, but definitely something I'm going to keep, be keeping an eye on. But that's going to wrap it up for episode three of Run Past the Brain Cell. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, basically wherever you get podcasts. And, you know, rate us five stars. Leave a comment, maybe, or a review. I, I'll be honest, I don't use Apple Podcasts. I think that's an Apple Podcast thing. But I'm Adam Skirko. This was Jake Miller. And we'll see you guys next time. Take care.